0: Well, Merry Christmas Church, whether you are here in the room this morning or whether you're watching online, uh, we are in a season where memories are made. But I've got to be honest, uh, the older I get, I realize it's not just about making memories. It's also a season where sometimes those memories are just ones I get a chance to remember. While well, thinking about Christmas, I remembered a name of a, a person from my past. Her name was Beulah beulah Etcheson. Uh, she was a trusted member at the church where i grew up in urbana illinois and beulah would from time to time babysit me and my siblings and i've only got a couple of vivid remembrances of beulah as it's been a long time since i needed a babysitter well some might argue that as many times as i hurt myself i might still need a babysitter so one of my memories, though, of Beulah was that Beulah. Well, it was about her furniture. Beulah called her couch a davenport. A davenport. Now, a couch like right? a sofa, maybe if it's a squatty, you know, two seater, it's a loveseat shaped like an L. It's a sectional. A davenport. Who calls their couch a davenport? Anybody here? Great. See, I didn't know what a Davenport was, and I'm sure I got in trouble multiple times because I would stand on her couch and she would yell at me, don't stand on the Davenport. Scarred for life, I am. I had to look it up in a dictionary when I got older. My favorite memory of Beulah, though, wasn't about the couch or the Davenport. My favorite memory of Beulah was actually a Christmas memory. You see, every year around Christmas time, Beulah would, um, she would sell these fruitcakes <clears throat> to raise money for the, uh, the high school music program. Now, I can see some of you making faces behind your masks. In fact, some of you at home, I can see you making faces about fruitcake through your device. No, I can't. Some of you guys made faces about fruitcake, and you have never even eat fruitcake. You're just listening to the rumors. Now, for all of you fruitcake haters out there who have actually eaten fruitcake, I have to believe that the reason that you have such a dim view of fruitcake is because you never ate the delicious fruitcake that I ate when I was a kid. See, Each year, my parents would buy a couple of these, like, rectangular blocks of candied fruit and nuts held together by just a minimal amount of cake, enough to keep all those pieces together. You know, we Marylanders, uh, Marylanders, we understand this, right? It's kind of like a lump crab cake, right? You have just enough breading in that to hold those big lumps of crab together, right? It's not half bread, it's crab with a little bit of filling, right? And the same way with those fruitcakes. But my family, we would slice these pieces of fruitcake into these chunks of just pure Christmas deliciousness. And it was like nothing said Christmas at my house quite like those fruitcakes. But as a child, it caused me to question, well, why would something so good only be enjoyed one time per year? I know Nick uh, has talked about this season that we're living in and Dennis has talked about, you know, making purchases for Christmas. And my guess is that most of you have already completed all of your shopping. In fact, most of you have probably got your meals already purchased for Christmas Day. And I'll just be spoiler here. If you haven't finished your shopping and you haven't got food bought for Christmas Day, you only got five days left. I mean, it's coming, right? So you got to get on it. Now, my wife, whenever she would ask me around Christmas time, well, what would you like to have to eat on Christmas dinner? You might think that I would say, oh, pick me up some fruitcake. But that's not what I want. I would tell my wife, I want some eggnog and some olives. Now, olives is another conversation for another message another day. But eggnog, well, you see, I confirmed with my mom this week that we'd never had eggnog in our house growing up. And I was determined, after I was introduced to it as an adult, that I was not going to deny my three sons the pleasure of eggnog. Now, if you're not an eggnog drinker, you have to understand, eggnog is not something you pour in a glass and have with your dinner. Eggnog is not something that you drink to satisfy your thirst, right? Eggnog is a moment to be cherished with those that you love. In fact, eggnog became the drink of the Christmas season, that our house was made of, right? So here's what would happen at my house. My three sons and I, we would pour four glasses of very equal amounts. We had little uh, BC glasses with little pictures on them and we filled the eggnog just to the same exact spot on every one of those little, you know, ant eaters or whatever was on there, right? So we had the exact same amount and we would stand in a circle in the kitchen, each of us holding our glass of eggnog, not daring to take a sip. This is like a sacred moment. And so from the time my boys were really young till, you know, they all graduated high school, moved out and stuff, we would toast eggnog. So we'd go around in a circle. We would toast the most random things, a toast to the snow and a toast to Christmas and a toast to the eggnog and a toast to glasses. And one by one, we would declare a toast and take a drink. And the next one would go around until finally we'd all four toasted and then it was bottoms up and you just drank whatever was left in your glass. See, all too often though, the eggnog would disappear from the shelves of the grocery store And we would have to wait an entire year to share those memories again. And it caused me as an adult to question, well, why would something so good only be enjoyed once a year? I was checking my email the other day and I saw a subject line of an email and it said, The Season of Sharing. Oh man, sounded like right to my heart, right? Season of sharing. And it was a promo piece to try to get me to buy cookies. But nevertheless, the sentiment was good. In fact, there are lots of good sentiments this time of year. If you listen closely to the songs that you hear, you will hear people declaring that this is the happiest season of all. That this is the most wonderful time of the year. We'll hear songs declaring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And there'll be songs encouraging us to be of good cheer and, of course, to have a very Merry Christmas time. If you were to take a drive through your neighborhood or go to a light display someplace, or if you were to look at the ornaments hanging on many a tree, or if you were to read the words on Christmas cards that either you have received or that you are sending, You'll be met with such phrases as glad tidings, good news, happy holidays, season's greetings. And in those moments where we're examining the Christmas season, we would also see those words that stand alone, those words where no explanation is needed. Joy, peace, hope, love. And in experiencing these good feelings and these good emotions that come with the season, it might cause us to question, well, why would something so good only be enjoyed once a year? Maybe, like me, you've noticed that in the Christmas season, people are generally more generous. They're more forgiving. They're more loving we, we exchange pleasantries, well, we exchange present, pleasantries more readily. We, we share smiles more freely, granted they're hidden behind our masks, but we can still see it in people's eyes, and we give gifts more abundantly. Betty Black, in a little poem, captured that sentiment with these words. She says, this time of year means being kind to everyone we meet, to share a smile with strangers we may pass along the street. You see, during the Christmas season, the differences in our financial statuses and our professional positions and our personal popularity, well, they seem to not matter so much. Divisions that are often caused by race or or even religion or political persuasion, well, at Christmas time, they kind of take a back seat as we all become one another's brother and sister. Uh, as I was preparing for this teaching, I was reminded uh, of something that happened in World War I. And uh, even in World War I, while the fighting was going on, there was some places and some times where Christmas got in the way of the war, where the fighting ceased. There was a soldier that gave an account and describes it this way. At about 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 1914, the soldier noticed a noise. I listened, he recalled. Away across the field, among the dark shadows beyond, I could hear the murmur of voices. He turned to a fellow soldier in the trench and said, Do you hear the Germans kicking up that racket over there? Yes, came the reply. They've been at it some time. The Germans, it seems, were singing Christmas carols as it was Christmas Eve. And in the darkness, some of the British soldiers began to sing back. Suddenly, the soldier recalled, we heard a confused shouting from the other side. We all stopped to listen, and the shout came again. The voice was from an enemy soldier speaking in English with a strong German accent. He was saying, come over here. One of the British sergeants answered, you come halfway, I'll come halfway. And what happened next would, in the years to come, stun the world and make history enemy soldiers began to climb nervously out of their trenches and they met in the barbed wire filled no man's land that separated the two armies you see normally the british and the germans would be communicating across no man's land with streaking bullets but now there was handshakes and words of kindness the soldiers traded songs tobacco and wine joining in a spontaneous holiday party in the cold of the night you know, just like the soldiers on that fateful day, don't we find ourselves living and loving differently in the Christmas season than the rest of the year? You know, that World War I story is a great moment in history. But here's a better one. A guy named Luke records it for us in the second chapter of his book called, well, Luke, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And verse 13, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That is an amazing story. This morning, we are wrapping up our teaching series here at Fork, which we've entitled Christmas List. We spent the last three weeks looking at this account, the account of the birth of Christ, in the process of examining the events surrounding it, not only have we had a chance to look at the priorities of God and his heart, but in looking at God's priorities, we've had an opportunity to look at our own priorities as well. And hopefully as we've looked at our own priorities, it has caused us to change, to rearrange, uh, that we have been compelled to reorder them, Not just for this season, but for every season to follow. In week one, we looked at the way that Joseph had to readjust his priorities when he found that his pledge to be wife was pregnant with a child that wasn't his. And we were challenged with the question of what are your priorities during this Christmas season? The second week, we looked at the Magi, and Josh helped us to take a hard look at the idea of rearranging our priorities so that our priorities would be in line with the priorities of the heart of God. And we walked away being challenged with the question of, who is your priority this Christmas season? And then last week, it was in the context of the lowly shepherds to whom the birth of Christ was announced by angels that we were posed this question, will we trust God with his timing? especially his timing in our lives. Today, we're going to spend the balance of our time together wrestling with this question, the question of will you choose to live every day like Christmas or will you simply settle for a -a once-a-year season? You see, in just a few days, the packages will all have been opened. The relatives, if they were able to come and visit, will have gone home. Before you know it, the fruitcake will be gone, the eggnog will be gone, and you'll be eating nothing but leftover ham and green bean casserole for the next week. For many, it will soon be time to take down the lights and the tree and to put away the heirloom ornaments and to pack away the nativities in their boxes and store them for next year. Many of you grown-ups will be going back to work, whatever that is looking for you right now. And you students, sadly, pretty soon it will be Zoom, 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 and you'll be back online learning once again. And 2020 is going to bring Christmas that's going to look a little bit different than maybe it has in the past. And for some, it may look more like a, a Thomas Kinkade painting. For others, it may look like a Christmas vacation, you know, with the Griswolds. But very soon... Life will go back to our present normal. Christmas will be over. And I ask you, will you choose to live every day like Christmas, or will you simply settle for a -a once-a-year season? See, my friends, unless we're intentional about it, we may soon cease being of good cheer. We may find ourselves not so apt to wish others well we may not be quite so eager to speak kind words to a stranger. Sadly, the pleasure that we find in sending cards that say I care and making phone calls and Zoom calls that that say I love you, well, those will be a thing of the past. And we might quickly find ourselves keeping our good words, our good gifts and our good intentions to ourselves. Which causes me to ask, well, why would something so good only be enjoyed once a year? Now, some will say that all the good things that happen in our, in our hearts and in our heads uh, during the Christmas season, well, they're simply because of what we call the spirit of Christmas, right? And the spirit of Christmas sounds really good in a Hallmark movie or, or on a Christmas card, Right? But the spirit of Christmas seems to run out of steam about the same time our New Year's resolutions do, a couple weeks into January, right? I am convinced, though, that what we need to do to keep our lives full of the joy and the hope and the peace and the love of Christmas is not found in the spirit of the season. No, what we need to keep us fully engaged in the joy and the hope and the peace and love of Christmas is to give the Holy Spirit of Christ. The one who is the very reason for this entire season to give his Holy Spirit full control of our hearts and of our minds. The Apostle Paul, uh, I think, would agree he was the persecutor of the church turned proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ went from persecuting Christians to becoming one of the greatest advocates for this movement known as Christianity. And he was writing to the Christians in Rome these words in chapter 5, Romans 5. He says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Oh, we can rejoice too, he says, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. To the believers in Galatia, he wrote these instructions for living, not just for living during the season, but instructions for living during every day of life. Galatians chapter 5, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It's like Paul saying, in other words, as believers, there is not only an expectation that following God that you will grow in these areas, but it's almost like he's giving us a charge or giving us permission to daily indulge in and, and to daily practice and, and to completely immerse ourselves in the kind of life and the kind of love that many only experience and many only display during the Christmas Season. You see, the world may be caught up in the spirit of Christmas a few weeks of the year, but a life surrendered to Jesus Christ has the spirit of Christ living within us, moving, shaping, directing every day and every season of our lives. Paul goes on to the right as he continues his teaching to the church at Galatia. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another Verse 25 said, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And I think Paul would agree with me, although he didn't put it there. I think he would say, let's follow the Spirit's leading every day of our lives, not just in the Christmas season. So how does that work? How does that work when the wrapping paper is all put away and the gingerbread house is crumbling How does that work when the toys that were brand new now are starting to appear a little old and the radio station is no longer playing the Christmas classics? We don't. In fact, we can't do it by the spirit of the Christmas season. We only do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit of Christ in our lives. Think back about these last few weeks. In this Christmas season, we've taken time to spend life together with small groups, with, with families, with friends. We've shared meals. We've gathered together for worship. We've, we've saved seats. We've made Zoom calls and phone calls. We wore our masks out of respect when we visited. In this Christmas season, our neighbors have become like family, right? We've smiled. We've waved. We've shoveled their snow. We've returned misdirected, misdelivered packages. We've made them gifts or sent them cards. Well, we've even learned some of our neighbors' names. In this Christmas season, we've treated the stranger like a neighbor. We've We've donated coats for the homeless and and gave up meals, you know, gave meals to the hungry. We've we've given big tips at our local restaurants. We've given up our parking space at Walmart. We've held the door open with a smile. In this Christmas season, we have shared joy in the middle of somebody else's sorrow. We've made a meal and delivered it. We've sent flowers when we couldn't be there. We've shed a tear and shared a kind word. And we prayed. In this Christmas season, we buried the hatchet. We've let bygones be bygones. We didn't let past frustrations get in the way. We chose to not win that argument. We chose to walk away from the conflict and make peace. And we forgave. And as Christians, we have to ask the question, well, why would something so good only be enjoyed once a year. Because certainly if we could live that way for a season, by the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ, we can choose to live every day like it's Christmas. Uh, For the next few minutes, um, just as we've done the last couple of weeks, we're going to end our time together with some focused, directed prayer. We're going to... just cry out to the Father for a few minutes and allow Him to help us readjust our priorities. Um, reshape our directions. Realign some of our thoughts. And so I'm going to pray and give you some things to pray about. And uh, just take that time when there's a pause between, between my speaking to just allow God to speak to you. Let's pray. So God, we have come to you in a place in our lives where we recognize um, the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. God, come down to our earth to be one of us. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful that we get to celebrate his birth. Um, but I'm thankful that we also get to experience and celebrate the life change that takes place in us. And so, God, we're gonna just cry out to you about some things. And maybe these won't apply to everybody, but they may apply to some of us. And so God, as We have found an extra level of patience this Christmas season. Help us to cling tightly to that level of patience so that we can learn to exhibit it every single day. God, as we have generously, um, freely, Given to others this Christmas season, as we have displayed generosity, help us daily hold our material resources and our possessions loosely. God, as you've given us the ability to control our anger over the Christmas season. Now, when things arise that hurt, frustrate, or annoy us, help us to just let them go lightly. And God, as people have become our priority this Christmas season through visits and calls and cards and extra time spent, Help us choose to repeat those personal touch moments often. And God, as we have experienced closeness with our Savior this Christmas season, help us make the choice to strengthen our relationship with Him daily. God, help us to live every day like Christmas instead of simply settling for a -a once-a-year season. In Jesus' name, amen.